John with Staging a Podcast. Today we'll be talking with Tim Rogner from Alistair and uh, what, what's your new band's name, Tim? Uh, the new band is called Hot Alice. Hot Alice. Yeah, I, I went, for some reason my, my mind went blank. I started thinking your brother and wanted to say August premiere, but <laughs> I know well, that's wrong. So. They're another good band too, man. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands ever. So they're definitely one. Yeah, they, they've got some really good stuff. They do, yeah. So, um, for those of you who don't know, Tim's been playing with Alistair since uh, the late '90s. You know, ended up uh, growing up in the Chicago punk scene that was uh, headed out by you know the uh, Fireside Bowl, and you know, I'm sure playing whatever VFW halls and things that they can get into. Um, so why did you decide to pick up music in the first place? You know, I kind of always grew up, uh, in a, a musical household. Um, you know, my, my dad's been playing in a band actually since he was like 17. So, and he's almost, you know, 71 now. So about 55 years or so he's been playing in bands. And so when I was a kid, you know, growing up in my, in my house, there was always, you know, a plethora of musical instruments. Um, there was always a drum kit in the basement. There was always a bass guitar sitting around. Um, so I kind of just, there's always a piano in the house. So I kind of just gradually, naturally kind of gravitated to some of that stuff. And, you know, I, I remember probably being like eight, seven, eight years old and going downstairs and just banging around on the drums and thinking, this is really fun. Like I like doing this. And, and of course, you know, my dad's band would practice in our basement. And so I would always like hear them and kind of idolize them and be like, wow, that's so cool. You know, I, I really want to do that someday. Um, and so it just kind of went from there, you know, I started taking piano lessons a little bit when I was a kid and then, then started playing drums a little bit more. And drums was actually my first, first instrument. Um, drums and piano were the first first things I learned how to play. Okay, so yeah, it's kind of kind of just a natural thing for you, just something that was surrounding surrounding you the whole time you were growing up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, see me. Uh, you remember that movie La Bamba? Yeah, I, you know, I I saw that when oh god, I had to have been five six years old and said. Other than the dying part, I want to be like this guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck the dying part, man. I don't really want to do that, but everything else seems pretty cool. Yeah, right. You know, chicks, people yelling at you. That's that's all kind of groovy, you know. Um, yeah. What kind of music do old man play? <laughs> um, so they they were like they started off kind of as as an original band, like writing a lot of original songs, but also kind of doing covers. They they had a record deal way back in like, God, I want to say 1976. I think it was even before I was born. Um, they did like a two record deal, I want to say with like Atlantic. Um, and they put out, you know, some original, some original stuff. And then they kind of moved a little more towards doing cover songs. Um, mm-hmm. And so then they were kind of a cover band. Uh, and then they kind of turned into like a wedding type of party band um so they would play you know weddings they would play parties new year's eve parties stuff like that um i can remember yeah. growing up like when i was a kid he played almost almost every new year's eve 
that I can remember growing up as a kid. They would always be playing. Um, and it was always like, you know, top 40 stuff, whatever was kind of popular and like oldies at the time too. Um, they had a good mix of everything. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, playing, playing Gloria and all the, uh, all the good stuff. Shout. Yep. You know, yep. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. Um, so you said that, you know, you started with the, uh, you started with the piano and you started playing drums just mm-hmm. because, you know, you kind of gravitated towards it. But, um, now you, when you started the band, you were playing drums, right? I was, yeah. I was the original drummer for Alistair and started off kind of playing drums, uh, for, for Alistair. So, um, I know I've got, uh, I've got pretty much everything, that I could get my hands on that you guys put out. So the, uh, you can't do that on vinyl dead ends and girlfriends. Uh, you were, you were still drumming on that, but you were also singing too, huh? I was, and that was weird. Uh, cause you know, who likes a singing drummer? Nobody likes a singing drummer. That shit's lame. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was doing it, um, kind of almost, almost by, by default because I kind of had to, because, at the time, nobody else really wanted to sing, um, and so okay. and plus I was kind of writing a lot of the songs, and so it just kind of made sense for me to sing them if I was writing it, and that's kind of what everyone wanted to do, anyways. We just kind of made that decision. Well, if you write the song or write, you know, the majority of the song, you might as well sing it. Yeah. So that's kind of okay. The way so, it was. is that a uh, was the. Uh, not wanting to sit back and you know be be Phil Collins, the uh, the reason you ended up moving into the front. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know, I think it was just be- it, it had a lot to do with again you know I, at the time I was writing a lot of the songs and so um, when we when Eric left um, the band. Um, and, and Scotty joined, it just kind of made sense for me to move up to play guitar. And then we would find a, a, a new drummer, um, again, only mm-hmm. because I was kind of singing a lot of the songs and that way, you know, Scotty and John and I could also do a lot of three part harmonies, which is something that we took a lot of pride in and something that we really worked on is, is getting, you know, these three part harmonies down in, in some of our songs. And it, it just looks a lot cooler. I think when you're, when you're doing that stuff up on the front of the stage, as opposed to someone kind of doing it in the back, you know? Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally get that, that idea that, uh, you know, really ends up making, making sense. You know, you don't want your front man to be, to be all the way hidden in back. You know, one of my, uh, one of my favorite bands is a band called Jellyfish. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, I'm not familiar with them, but I've heard of them. Okay. So um, I kind of put them as, you know, they're a pop rock band, kind of like queen of the early 90s. Okay. Uh, but their singer was their drummer. And uh, if you look up videos of them, it's interesting because he's at the front of the stage and playing playing his kit standing up. It's really something else. Interesting. Yeah, I think there is something to be said too about. I mean, and, and they. I mean, it sounds like Jellyfish kind of had their own their own thing going. But I do think there is something to be said about you know going to see a show and 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 seeing just that, right? Like you're seeing a show. You're not only seeing music, but you're kind of seeing a performance, right? 
you know, and right. I think it's really hard for a singing drummer to be able to, to quote unquote put on a performance sitting on a drum stool, you know, somewhere on the stage. You know, I, I just think there's more limitations to that than there are for, you know, someone up front playing guitar who has access to the entire stage, who can move around, who can do things to kind of get the crowd going, maybe a little bit more so than perhaps a drummer can. Yeah. And you know what? It makes, it makes a whole lot of sense, especially in, in punk rock. I mean, you know, you go back to the earliest days and it's all about that interaction with the crowd yelling in your face or, you know, um, you know, hopefully not getting kicked by somebody, uh, Kicking your mic stand right. in your mouth. Right, yeah, losing a few teeth while you're at it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you ended up doing that, doing the switch, and then you did Suburbia. Yep. Uh, last yep. That's Last Stop Suburbia for anybody that doesn't uh, know the band Alistair yet. We did, yep. Um, so then, I mean, that, it was actually, it was a little bit after that that, uh, I actually found you guys. I found you guys right before the Blackout album. Okay. Um, but it it seems like you guys were just, you know, looking back and things, you, you were pretty much touring all the damn time from uh, from the first album on through, right? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, we spent – so Dead Ends and Girlfriends came out in 1998, I want to say, or maybe 99. Okay. I forget. I forget exactly which year it came out. Um, maybe ninety nine, and then we graduated college in two thousand. And pretty much from the minute from the day that we graduated college, we spent the next eight years or so on the road, seven or eight years on the road. You know, al- touring almost nonstop as much as we possibly could. You know, we probably played on average maybe two hundred and fifty shows per year. Um, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of time off. Uh, number one, yeah. partly, partly that was because we didn't like time off. We we enjoyed being on the road. We liked touring. We liked being out there and playing. Um, and number two, we couldn't afford to take any time off. You know, like we weren't making tons of money back then, and so touring was really the the best way for us to support ourselves. You know, because if we took time off, we'd have to go home and, and try to find like a temporary job or something. And that was always a pain in the ass. Nobody wanted to do that. Um, so, right. you know, we just tried to tour as much as we could. And I think that impacted a little bit our our ability to write new songs and put out records in a little bit more of a timely fashion. You know, I mean, there were it was basically three years in between every record and yeah, it's a little bit long. I think I would have liked to have put out a record like every, you know, 20 months or so would have been ideal. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, three years is, is a long time, but, you know, I guess it's nice that you were out there and you were road dogging it and, you know, tr- still trying to, <clears throat> you know, uh, keep it in the fans ears rather than, you know, going back. Oh, Hey, look, we just did our three months of touring. Now we're just going to sit, you know, for two and a half years. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. You know, and um, I mean, I'm sure you have seen, you know, played a lot of places that, you know, um, uh, what am I trying to say that 
empty rooms, you know, playing playing to three people and, oh, and sure. the barmaid. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, <laughs> there's been there's been know, times, especially I, there's been times we played shows for the other bands, and that was it. There wasn't even any people that showed up. It was just the other bands. That's it. Oh gosh, yeah, and you know, I, I imagine you know, Middle America is probably uh, probably the worst for that. Um, or at least I'd assume, um, you know, when, when you get out into, you know, Hey, we got to do a show in Oklahoma because otherwise we're not going to have the gas to get to California. (laughs) Yeah. Those are, those are some of the toughest Uh, places, but you know, those were also some of, believe it or not, some of the most rewarding places, uh, because there was, I can remember, um, I can remember one show in particular, I think it was New Mexico. We played with this old drive through band called caught inside and and th- and that was the show that literally nobody showed up like some guy came and he unlocked the door for us and then he bolted and he i don't know where he went and there was no promoter nobody was there and so it was just this pa system in this room and so it was us playing for caught inside and then caught inside played for us but there were also i can very specifically remember um a show in texas i want to say in amarillo maybe like on one of our first tours where you know we rolled up and and there weren't a whole lot of kids there but there were some kids you know some kind of old crusty punk rock kids like i don't know 20 25 of them and nobody had any money back then so we kind of set up and we played and they all just kind of collected money like in a tip jar like this big plastic bucket. And at the end of the, at the end of the night, they just kind of handed us over this like plastic bucket with a whole bunch of change and like some loose dollar bills in it. And you know what? That helped get us, you know, some Taco Bell and some beers and a little bit of gas to get us to the next show. And, you know, back then that was really all that mattered and it was cool. You know, we were probably able to sell a CD or a t-shirt or something too, to kind of help us along the way. Yeah. And that, you know what, that's the stuff that's really cool to hear because, you know, um, punk rock is such a tight community, you know, I mean, sure, you know, certain, certain people have their beefs or whatever, but you know, when it comes down to it, the, the fans, the people who, uh, the people who play, the people who record, you know, everybody's just such a tight community. And, you know, even, even though, you know, sometimes it could be quite DIY, at least, you know, people are looking out for you. Yep, exactly. So um, now I know, um, you know, Alistair's been kind of on the back burner recently. You know, uh, I know Scotty's over uh, living in Japan now, so it's kind of hard to get that together. But yeah, a little um, bit. You know, with uh, with the hot Alice thing, I know I've seen that you guys have been uh, finally being able to pick up some shows now after uh, after this whole COVID situation. Yeah, I think slowly but surely, um, you know, shows are starting to come back and, and slowly but surely we're starting to book some more and and kind of find our way onto some stages. You know, we've had we, we played Hot Alice, did a show um, back in December at Reggie's here in Chicago with the Queers in Susie Moon. And that was really cool. Um, we oh, had a show set up for for New Year's, um, which unfortunately got got canceled because of um the Omicron spread. Um, but we got a couple more things where we don't have, I don't know if we have anything else right now 
set up, um, but we're looking to to get some things uh, set up in the near future. So looking forward to good. it. Should be good. Um, and then another thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, really love the Ravenwood sessions. Oh, thank that you. Killer. Um, are you are are you? I think I may have seen something on your Twitter saying that you were starting to work on new stuff for for kind of like a follow up to that. Yes, sort of. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, you know what? That's that sounds like one of those uh, might be letting the cat out of the bag too early things. It's okay. No, if, no, uh, no, no, no. You want to go? That, no, that's absolutely not the case at all. Um, okay. No, so no, it's a totally legit question. Uh, but but the, I think the reason I I kind of reacted like that is because I have so I have so many song demo ideas right now that are just kind of floating around. I'm kind of in the process of trying to sift through them and and sort out exactly what I want to record, um, exactly how I want to do it, um, and exactly when I want to do it. Um, so at some point it's all going to get done and I, I think I'll, I'll end up doing another, you know, kind of solo record. Um, at this point, I just don't know exactly when that's going to happen or what it's going to sound like. Um, right. part of me thinks it, it might be like a full, even though it'll be a solo record, I think it'll probably be like a full band, um, solo record. Um, but maybe with also just some, you know, slower kind of acoustic type songs on there. I don't know. We'll have to see. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I understand you sifting through, you know, you probably, you know, not only have, you know, whatever on your computer, but, um, you know, the uh, voice notes, voice memos on your phone where you, you know, just hum, hum something. Oh, so, and, so many. Yeah. So, <laughs> hundreds yeah, that, and hundreds and hundreds. You know, that's that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize when when you're a creative is that, you know, creatives got to create. So you're just driving down the road. It hits you. You got to hit the button. But now, OK, like you said, you, you know, everything's archived. You got to go back and find it. Yeah. And like, does this fit with this? And yeah. yeah, I dig I dig that, man. And it's it's um, challenging sometimes, too, because you have so and, and so many of these ideas just they don't necessarily get forgotten because like you said, you have them on your voice notes or whatever, but you forget that they're there and you go back and you're listening and you're like, Oh shit, that was a pretty good idea. Like, but how do I keep developing that? I only have 25 seconds of that idea. What else was I thinking at the time? You know, cause it's like yeah. a lot of these things are kind of fleeting. They come to you in a moment. So you record them, you jot them down or whatever, and then you get busy doing something else. And it's, it's hard to kind of go back sometimes and think, put yourself back in the situation of when you had that idea or what you were thinking about, or like, you know, what other melodies you had kind of going along with that. So it can be, it can yeah. be tough. Um, that, and you know, um, one thing that I've always loved about your songs and your writing is dude, you're really good at a hook, you know? So, you. um, you know, that takes, uh, talent it you know but it also takes uh you know i'm sure it takes a little bit of you know uh word gymnastics sometimes mm-hmm. to be able to come up with come up with those those word hooks you know on top of the melodic hooks yeah and and i'm <sighs> i'm really picky about 
the way that songs get put together when I, when I write them, like I need to have very specific sounding words with certain parts of songs. That's, that's just kind of the way that I write and the way that I hear things in my head. Um, okay. But yeah, like I'm a huge, I mean, like I love songs with big hooks, whether it's, it doesn't matter what style of music it, it could be country, it could be rap, it could be pop, it could be punk rock, it could be, you know, whatever the case is. I love songs with big hooks and that's, that's kind of what I gravitate to um, are songs that are just, you know, like you hear it one time and you're like, that was fucking awesome. I can't stop singing it now. And it's three hours later. Like those are the types of songs that I love. Oh, that's really awesome. Um, So, you know, being, being that, you know, you're not, uh, you're not on the road 200 days a year now. uh, You know, what, what kind of, you know, side hustles do you have musically? Um, you know, I know uh, Kyle from your band before he used to do pins and stuff. Do you have anything like that going on? I don't know. Um, the only other things that I do are, are um, I mean, I work a full-time job. So I, I work um, as a, I work for a life insurance company um, and I do like I design training programs. So as much as it pains me to say it, sometimes I, I work for the man, which sucks sometimes, <laughs> but you know what? It pays the bills. Yeah. And, and what's, what's interesting now too, and what's kind of cool is that it, it allows me to do music m- more so as a hobby, you know, a, a serious hobby than as a full-time job. And, you know, as much as I would love to do music as a full-time job, I think there are also benefits to doing it and pursuing it just as a, an, an intense hobby these days. You know, I, I have two kids that kind of take up a lot of my time too. Um, oh, sure. So, you know, spending, spending time on the road being a full-time musician, I think would be more difficult now than, you know, it was, you know, when we're, when you're 20, 21, 22, early twenties, it's easy. You know, you, you have the energy, you have the stamina, to do that every single day. You don't really have anything tying you down. Um, yeah. And you bit. don't have the thing is at home hold, holding you, you know, hold, holding your, holding your love and you, you know, yeah. you're not wanting to be away from them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, I think about it now and I, there, I can't even imagine touring for like three months straight. That would just be a little bit too long. I think for me, you know, I would, yeah. I think I would miss my kids. You know, I think I would, I just don't think I'd want to do it. No. And, you know, one thing I've seen, you know, certain bands doing, which I find to be pretty interesting, you know, and um, this is, I've noticed this coming out of some of the bands down in Nashville. Um, the bigger, the bigger stadium type bands is like, I want to say it was like Kenny Chesney will go out and only hit the weekends because the dudes that are in his band are all uh, studio guys. So, they fly out to, you know, wherever the show is that weekend. Then uh, last show ends, they catch the red eye back to Nashville and, you know, go sit and do their sessions throughout the week. So they're still making their money and they're not just sitting, bouncing, you know, bus rides all the way across the country. Yeah. I mean, and that's really the way to do it. You know, and I see a lot of bands too doing things in kind of, 
like increments, you know, they'll do like a week and a half here, or two weeks here, and then take a month off and then go out and do two, two more weeks, you know, and then take two months off and then do two more weeks, you know, and you can kind of do different sections of the country that way. And it, it, it breaks it up a little bit and it makes touring, I think a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of makes me question, you know, especially, uh, we're in a pretty good spot, you know, being in the Chicagoland area. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've, I've heard some people from out West saying like, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm from San Diego getting up to do a show in Portland or in Seattle is just so difficult because, you know, you've got to drive so far where, you know, if we drive five hours, we can hit Detroit, Milwaukee, a little bit longer, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, you know, hit all the, the major town sets. Yeah. You know, and that's a great point, John, like we, and that's one of the things I think that we really appreciated about where we came from, you know, in the fact that we are from Chicago um, and we had that ability to be able to drive a couple of hours and play in, you know, six or seven different major cities, you know, or we could drive, you know, 12 hours and hit up everywhere on the East coast, you know, we could get just about every major East coast city. We weren't too far from Philadelphia, from New York city, from, you know, Boston, DC, places like that, you know, and at the same time, if we really wanted to, we could pack up and drive to California and we could be there in about two days, you know, if we kind of drove straight and, and we were really lucky because of that. And I know, you know, just when we were touring, we had a lot of friends, you know, who were in bands from California, you know, or, and, and like for them to just make it to the East Coast, they would have to drive clear across the country and do like a full tour. Like it wouldn't make sense for them to just drive and play five shows on the East Coast. They had to make a full tour out of it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it for them. You know, whereas yeah. we would be able to to do just five shows and it would still be worth it for us because we didn't have to drive as far, you know, and, and, and we never, we never kind of forgot that. That was always, I think, um, important to us. And, and we recognize that fact. Nice, man. Nice. Um, let's see here. Um, I know we're getting down close to, you know, what I told you that we'd, uh, try and shoot for. So, uh, do you have anything that you need to plug while, while I got you here? Um, no, just the, the new hot Alice, uh, record is called, um, Del Vista Boca and it's out everywhere on, on any streaming service you, you, uh, you have, um, there's five songs on it. Um, it's, it's similar type of punk rock kind of to Alistair. Um, uh, but I think you'll find some, some other stuff you might like on there. Um, and then come see us play, you know, we'll, we'll be playing uh, in the Chicago area, probably, a little bit more so coming up this year. Um, I sure hope so. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of keep an eye out for it and keep an eye out for some of the other stuff The you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll keep posting on Twitter and Instagram about any musical adventures that I'm doing or going to be participating in coming up in the future. So be sure to check me out there. Good. What's your, uh, what's your handles on Instagram and Twitter? Um, on Instagram, you can follow me at Tim Allister and 
On Twitter, you can follow me at HumbugRog, H-U-M-B-U-G-R-O-G. Got you, got you, man. Well, thank you for spending some time with me today. And, uh, you know, I, I know that we've gotten some snow over here. I'm sure you guys got hit over there. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, pretty good today. It, <laughs> ho- ho- yeah, hopefully it's, you know, not driving the kids stir crazy. And, you know, you can uh, they you know, still had have a heart school. attack. Yeah, they still had school today, believe it or not. I had to drive them to oh. school this morning. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, they can't. They canceled by us, but I'm. Uh, I live over in Indiana, so uh, okay. We, okay. Up, we get hit a little bit harder with you know coming lake effect off the lake. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we got about I don't know four or five inches maybe today. So oh you know. yeah, yeah, we're close to a foot. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I think it still might still be coming down. I haven't looked outside recently though. So yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't see outside from my basement here. So. Um, well, yeah. Thanks, thanks again, Tim, for uh, spending some time with me. And yeah, thanks for having everybody. Me. Go check out Alistair. Check out Hot Alice. Uh, check out Tim Rogner. I think you, you got a Bandcamp too, don't you? I do. Yep, I got some stuff up okay. on Bandcamp. I think it's timrogner.bandcamp.com. Awesome. So you have yourself a good day, dude. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks, John. <laughs> All right. Later. All right. Bye. <laughs>